0: Us on with that, why don't you grab a Bible? Uh, does anybody need a Bible? We have some here at the front, we'll get them out. There's also some at the back. Come grab them. Ali's giving them out. Wave your hand in there if you need one. And then while you're doing that, if you're using a phone, whatever device you're using, why don't you find Matthew chapter 26, that's where we're going to open up from. Matthew 26, 36 to 38. Um, just as you're getting there, as you're being uh, getting organized to read scripture together, um, just to let you know, we do have a team from Belfast, Vineyard, Michelle. Already said that and welcomed them. Uh, what we're going to do this morning? They're going to join our prayer team this morning, and they're going to um, give you, uh, if you wish, you can come and receive a word. And uh, what does that mean? If you're new to church or new to this type of church that talks about prophetic, just means that they're listening to what God has to say. Then they're going to pray for you and see what the Father has for you, and you can walk away with that. Test it, try it, see if it lines up with what you're thinking and feeling. And uh, go home and and be blessed. So they're going to join us straight after the conversation this morning to pray for us. So you up for that? Great time of year to have them down and to start off a brand new year. So as I say, you're very welcome. Um, We are beginning a new series. And I want to open up, (coughs) excuse me, by... I am on, aren't I? I just can't hear myself. Great. Can you hear me? That's important. Okay. Matthew 26, 36 to 38. Let me set it up for you. Jesus is his eminent crucifixion is approaching he's well aware well aware of that he's gone to like a park outside the city it's like a a walkway a park where people go it's called Gethsemane so he goes there with friends with brothers with community and let's read the ancient scriptures Matthew 26 36 to 38 then Jesus went with the disciples to a place called Gethsemane and he said to them "His disciples sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Sebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to him, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. This is the word of the Lord. It's absolutely true. It's given to us in love. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Sorrowful, troubled, overwhelmed, incredible intense emotions. Would you agree? It's just it's just a yeah, just a full breath of emotions in this one moment in time. Then turn, if you want to, and I have it on the screen, to Mark 6, 30 to 34. We're going to give you a lot of scripture to start. Then I'm going to come back to this text, and then I'm going to give you some principles or points from that to help us on our journey as we begin this new series. So turn to Mark 6, 30 to 34. Swipe to the right. Turn the pages. Tell me when you're there. Yeah? Yeah, that was quick. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all that they had done and taught. And because so many people were coming and going, they didn't even have a chance to eat. He said, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves to a boat, to a solitary place. But many who saw them leave and recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. That's just terrible, isn't it? Like you've ministered, you're exhausted and you're going to a solitary place and somebody has outwitted you. You took a shortcut. They've got sat ave in those days. So they've taken a, a shortcut and got there and you're going to this place just to rest and to relax and you get there and there's another crowd, right? But I just love Jesus' attitude. When Jesus landed and saw the crowd, he said, let's get the heck out of here. No, he said he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. Tired, exhausted, yet moved with compassion and human emotions again. Are you with me? Let's go to Luke's account of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Faith comes by hearing, hearing the stories of Jesus of Nazareth. Keep reading the stories of Jesus. Luke chapter 7, 11 to 13. Are we doing okay? Yeah? Soon afterwards, Jesus went to a town called Nain. And his disciples and a large crowd went along with him. As he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a large crowd from the town was there with her. Listen to this. Listen to Jesus of Nazareth, this 30-year-old rabbi prophet who walked this earth. When the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her. And he cries out, Don't cry. A couple more texts. John's Gospel. John chapter 2, 13 to 16. When it was almost time for the Jews' Passover, it's a festival, feasting. Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple courts, You find people selling cattle, sheep and doves, and all are sitting at tables, exchanging money. So he made a whoop out of cords, and he drove all the temple courts, drove them all from the temple courts, both sheep and cattle. He scattered the coins, of the money changers, and he overturned the tables. To those who sold doves, he said, Get these out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a market. Jesus is angry with seal and passion. This is an emotional Jesus who feels all the human emotions. One more. Are you okay for one more? Of course you are. You love it, don't you? John 11, 33 to 35. And Jesus saw her weeping. This is cousins and friends of Jesus. And the Jews who had come along with her also weeping. He was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Jesus is full of emotion. Jesus came to earth fully as a man, as a human being. He wrapped himself in flesh The letter of the Philippians, Paul writing to Philippians, tells us that he emptied himself. That means he emptied his power. Jesus was fully God, yet fully man. And for me, for the easiest way for me to understand that, it can be a head-tilting theological... um, conundrum for a lot of us is he man is he God for me it's simply this Jesus who he was in the beginning who created the heavens and the earth his family is Godhead he is Elohim he's in relationship father son and holy spirit when he comes to earth he's still part of that family therefore he is fully God but he chose willingly to wrap himself in human flesh and become human being to to bear the full extent of human emotions and embrace them so he's fully God and fully man and sometimes religious art doesn't help us see that does it you ever see some of the paintings that come up? Have you seen? Have you seen this one before? I have this hanging in my living room. Do you like it? By the way, it's like $450 million. I don't have it. I wish I had it. And sometimes we look at Jesus as if he's some sort of guru that he just is void of feelings that he just hovers over the earth that he walks and floats and he has no human emotions and, and, and art, ancient art and, and classic art sometimes portrays as Jesus as if he's some stoic philosopher without any feelings and the rest of us just have to get on with the grind here on earth and hope and hope that God would answer our prayers and that we would, he would be so kind to reach out to us. But here's Jesus and we just read account, small accounts of the ancient scriptures where Jesus feels a full breath of human emotions. Fully God yet, fully man. He felt the full breath breath, sorry, of emotions. And you and I were made in the image of God, right? Scripture tells us way back in the garden, we mirror God here on the earth. No pressure, right? We just have to represent God here on the earth. How are you getting on with that? How was Monday morning last week? Were you like, in full mirroring Jesus in your workplace, were you? Like patient, kind, yeah? Of course you were. Sorry, I'll move on. Um, I talk to myself quite a lot. Do, you do too, by the way, don't you? Like it's just inside words. But sometimes going around supermarkets, I find that the words are go outside words and then it's kind of embarrassing, especially if you're to the Anybody ever done that? No, just me? You've never had a conversation the words go out loud, yeah, inside words become outside words. No? You're all very emotional, healthy people. Maybe we should try another conversation this morning and change the talk. Well, I, I do quite a lot. I do quite a lot. My, my rhythms are prayer. I'll let you into to my habits of prayer. I really struggle with structure, as Michelle could tell you. Structure is not my gift, and yet those without structure need structure, Right? Thank God for people who have structure in their life and some order to help the likes of myself travel and navigate this earth. So my rhythms of prayer could, um, they're just all over the place. I don't have like three times a day prayer time. I don't get up at, uh, at um, I'm not going to tell you what time to get up because you judge me. But uh, I, I don't have this uh, pattern of prayer. But what I do a lot of the time, and I'm not bragging, but just it's just my rhythm and how I engage with the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit is I have conversations with myself, um, and a lot of those conversations include God. So the conversations I've been having a lot uh, with myself the last two to three months is that to be a Christian, right, I'm just asking God this question as I'm out walking the dog in the evenings uh, or um, in the car, whatever, I often have a conversation with myself, and then I bring God into the conversation. I would offer it to you. It's a great way to have a conversation with God. And so that's how I engage with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So I've been having this conversation, and you've probably, you, you're like probably way further down the road than me, but here's my conversation the last two and three months, is that surely God, to be Christian is to be a better human. I know it sounds very logical and very very ordinary, but sometimes we forget that. Sometimes we forget that to followers of Jesus Christ, to walk this spiritual journey, to be apprentices of Jesus, to be with Him, become like Him, and do what He does, a lot of that is just to be a good human being. And sometimes we detach ourselves or we have these boxes in our, in our Christian life. We have our Christian life, right? We have our work life, we have our friendship life, we have our marriage life, we have our social lives, and they're all boxed and compartmentalized. Do you ever do that? Sometimes we do that. And I've discovered something that Christians should be the best humans on the planet. To be more spiritual is to be more human. To be more spiritual to be more kind. To be more respectful. To be a better employee. To be a better son, father, friend. To be a better person all around. To show grace considerably. Way more than other people might want to do. So to be Christian is to be fully human. To be a better human. Would you agree? Therefore, we should, thank you, love that. Like this side of the room this morning. Just looking on this side of the room. Can you feel it? Yeah, to be Christian is to be a, a better human being. Just to be like Jesus, just like we read, to, to have emotions, to walk this earth and to engage with society. The good feelings, we do our best with them, don't we? Like, I'm easy with the good feelings, are you? What do we do with the good feelings? We know what to do with them. What do we do with them? Let me, let me help you with it. We, we want them to last, right? That's why we hang on to them. If we could push pause on the good feelings, if we could push pause on happiness and peace, are you with me? We, we want them to last the longest in their life because, hey, that's good, right? That's good. Let's, let's take Chris, Christmas. Seems so far away, doesn't it? it? It seems so strange even saying last Christmas. It feels like it's this Christmas. but So this Christmas, Michelle and I, I am very funny, aren't I? So last Christmas, Michelle and I worked really hard at getting as much done as possible, like shopping and writing cards and and getting the tree up and getting the groceries sorted, and all because we want the Christmas to last. Because we found out all the Christmas in the past, we were so so um, yeah, just in the midst of doing all the busyness of consuming and eating and. Writing and decorating and and all that OFC brings with it the thirty over the thirty grand isn't that brilliant for a small church that we brought on the thirty grand? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Charismatic church, come on, let's feel it! Yeah, 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 yeah! Woo-hoo. Jesus, yeah. hallelujah! Okay, shit about a Honda. So. All that to say, we, we did our best to be intentional this year because we want the Christmas to last. We wanted it to last because we know what to do with the good feelings. How many of you are just hanging on to Christmas last week? Yeah? You were saving the tea cakes. Like you were just keeping the last tea cake before. Like you, were, you, you weren't keeping any tea cake. He didn't even make the first week of Christmas. He sent me a photograph. He demolished a box of tea cakes. <laughs> He is now moving seats next week to, to the back, I would say. So, so we, and, and we, we try to make Christmas last, don't we? Like, how many of you stayed up later last Sunday night than you usually would because Monday was coming? Yeah, because you're hanging on to the good feeling of Christmas. We don't want it to end right up to the last, right up to the last. Most of us not so good and have no idea what to do with the other emotions what all emotions i hear you ask you know the other stuff like pain you ever feel that anger yeah look at them look at you i'm not, there's no, i'm giving nothing away absolutely no eye contact no body language i'm never angry and if you ask me that one more time i'll tell you what depression Anybody feel a little of that darkness coming in last Sunday night? The anxiety creeping up as you come back to Monday morning and rhythm and pattern again. Yeah, thank you. Some honest people in the room. And and, and what do we do with that? And jealousy? No, it's confessions of a pastor. Is it just me? My bad. Anger, depression, jealousy, Pain. And what do we do with these things? Well, here's the gen- I'm going to generalize if that's okay this morning. and This is taken just from uh, a lot of smart people, but I've really skimmed it down because you people are way smarter than them. So save us time. You'll, you'll get it much faster. So this is what we usually do. We detach ourselves. We switch off from our emotions. They're not there at all. We detach. We don't feel them. We bury them. We, we, they're not there. Let's just detach. Detach. I don't feel anything. Cold. Let's not get too high because we don't want to get too... Well, you ever been there? Yeah. Let's not get carried away, right? Because we do, we know what might be the high, and then comes the low, right? I have a son who, a middle boy who ha, is autistic, and 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 we know, sure check when when Micah gets really high, we're like, we're preparing because he gets really low very quickly. And by the way, it's, it's okay to tell the story. Yeah. He trusts us to tell the story, so in case you're wondering about that. The second thing we do is, and uh, this was my story growing up in a Pentecostal charismatic church, is that we fake it. Yeah? You fake it till you make it, right? Yeah, how are you doing? I'm absolutely brilliant. How are you doing? And inside you're full of resentment, bitterness, bitterness, anger, and pain. Have you ever been there? No? Like Christians are the best at this. People in the world are, in the world, I hate that saying. People who just live around us and with us. Um, they, they they they're better at this than Christians. So so in our in the, the context that I grew up, it was very extreme. Like even into the point of sickness, you would meet somebody and the snots were tripping them. Like when you're talking to them, and you're like you know, you don't even need to ask them how you're doing and how how are you doing. Oh, I'm healed and I'm I'm well, brother. Really? You no, know, I, I you know we just fake it till we make it. You know. I'm so good. I'm I'm living my best life, right? There is no pictures of your utility room in Instagram. <laughs> it's all beautiful. You're eating in the best places. You're taking pictures of your food. How many people do that? This is just yeah yeah. I do it too. Michelle does it. We all do it. Oh, sorry. Maybe you don't all do it. I'm just generalizing. <laughs> This is helpful counseling for me this morning. This is the best counseling session I've had this year. Thank you for coming along this morning and helping me along in my journey of jealousy, rage, anger, depression. and faking it until I make it. It's not there. Head in the sand. Lastly, the most one of the most common things I think we do... In our Western culture, because we can, we can afford to do it. Other cultures around the world, like our friends and and family in India, they don't have the luxury of probably this third one, but we can do it here in the West because we've got so much expendable income and so much other stuff. And even if we don't have it, we'll get it, we'll borrow it, and we'll spend, and then sometimes we'll have to give it back. But the third one, are you with me? You probably guessed it already. It's called distraction. We distract ourselves. How many of you do that? Yeah, we do it in all sorts of ways. We turn down the pain. We turn down the emotion, the bad emotions. We turn up the high emotions. But when it comes to the other stuff that we're not good at dealing with, where we run from, we actually distract ourselves. So like TV, binging on Netflix, series after series after series, you know that we that that circle that goes around when the one's ending, and you say, just one more. <laughs> just one more. Monday's coming fast, but I could do with another Mrs. Myrtle. Right? Alcohol. So we're just having a glass of wine or whatever, and that's okay. I'm not here to judge anybody having a drink. Sometimes we use that to medicate from the real feelings that we have going on in our heart, and we drink, and we drink, and we have another glass of wine, and, and whatever, whatever your tipple is. Busyness. Well, we're quick to judge alcohol, but how many of us are judging people that are just out of their heads and glorifying busyness? Where busyness is the God, and we think that that's the right way to go. Busyness, because that's a great distraction, isn't it? Keep yourself going. Just keep doing something. Keep doing so. Do not, at any cost, let yourself so down to feel any type of emotion at all. Are you with me? Porn, sex, consuming—all those stuff. This is the distraction thing. So, first of all, we have the detach yourself, and that's actually that's probably Eastern religion is full of that. Buddhism. Actually, I actually had this conversation with, with uh, my oldest son last night, Caleb. I said, Buddhism is more of a lifestyle than it is a belief system. The belief system actually sucks. But some people think that the lifestyle is very attractive because you detach yourself, you disengage from reality. And heck, that just sometimes sounds like a good thing. Doesn't it? Or is that just me? Just instead of paying, if I could just dis- just detach myself. Um, Just running away and not facing your pain on the emotions and mostly because really and truly we don't know what to do with them. We don't know what to do. Let's go back to where we started with Jesus in the garden just outside of the city, Matthew 26, 36 to 42. Are we doing okay this morning? Good. Then Jesus went to his disciples. We're going to go a little further and a little deeper with the text. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. Again, it's, like a, it's a really nice park outside of the city. It's a place where people go to relax and sit and engage, right? So think of your parks around where you live. And he said to them, Sit here a while while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Sebedee along with them. And they began to be sorrowful, meaning the word sorrowful means excruciating inner pain. He's feeling something that's very deep, He's fully human, yet fully God. And he's troubled. And he says to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. What he's saying is, this sorrow is so depressing, depressed, depressing. it's so, it's so excruciating that it's actually crushing the life out of me. It's crushing my very life. Stay here and keep watch with me, he says to them. Going a little further, he, f- he fell on his face to the ground and prayed, if that's not emotion, I don't know what is. When is the last time you were so Overwhelmed by, by the feeling of life getting crushed out of you that you, you just couldn't even bear that. The only obvious response of your physical body was to fall to the ground face down and call out in pain to God. Have you ever done that? I think I've done it once in my life. Maybe I should do it more often, but I can remember we just had moved to Korea and I was in a really bad place. uh, The only thing I knew to do was fast and I I lay on a sofa for three days. My parents were away. I had the house to myself and I uh, lay three days without eating uh, and just cried out to God. I said, God, if there's there's any way you would give me another chance. I, I, I strategically remember that moment because I think that the seed of my future was found in that past moment. Where I am today is because, not all down to that one moment, but there was that moment in life in my personal history where the only thing I could do was fall on my face and meet Jesus. And I remember specifically, I can still remember today clearly, articulating that, asking God for another chance, nearly begging him, and here I am today. So I would commend that to you. If you ever feel crushed in your soul, if you ever feel so totally overwhelmed, just fall to your knees and find a place to weep. Find a place to weep. Holy Spirit, would you come? Fall on us afresh. Would you help us to find a place to weep? A place to fall, to feet and to, to, just to communicate where we're feeling crushed in life. And I pray for every person here this morning, Lord, that this would be a teachable moment for them. The strong name of Jesus. Amen. Okay. Going a little further, he fell his face to the ground and prayed, My Father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and he found them, Stephen, couldn't, couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour? Just for one hour? That's all I'm asking. And, and by the way, isn't this just, if Jesus needed community in this time, how much more do we need community in our lives? And you know the other thing about this? Nothing was going to change. Jesus just needed people with him. And that's a lesson for all of us. In our motions in our walking with Jesus, you need people to walk with you. And you also need people to walk with you who know how to hear and see Jesus and be with Jesus. It's so important. Watch and pray. So you know not fall into temptation? The Spirit is willing the pledge this week. Verse 42. He went away a second time and he prayed, My Father, if it is possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, May your will be done. May your will be done. Jesus did not detach himself like a Buddhist monk. He didn't distract himself. He didn't say, hey guys, you know what? That's, this, this is a lot going on here. This is kind of heavy. Let's go out and have another meal and let's drink a little more wine. He didn't say that in that moment. What he does is he faces the pain and the sorrow and the discomfort. He leans into the moment. He leans into the moment. Jesus was emotionally healthy. He didn't run from it, he didn't distract himself, he didn't detach himself, he didn't uh, fake it, he didn't say this wasn't happening, he didn't say, well, praise God, hallelujah, you know, he didn't say rejoice in all things, that was coming, Paul was going to write that, but it wasn't written yet, but he didn't, he didn't say that in that moment, he actually embraced the pain. Isn't this a great January talk? I'd say the majority of people in this room this morning are followers of Jesus, or apprentices of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Meaning we're called to be like Jesus. He's our model. He's our best theology. He's the one we're wanting to live our lives around. Nobody else can disciple you. Jesus is the only one that can disciple you. You don't want to be somebody else. You want to be like Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Is that a given? So he's your best. He's your best model. So we're called to be like him. We want to live the way he lived. We want to do it his way, the Jesus way. Yet so often we miss the link between the emotional health and the spiritual health. And we think that if we just pray enough. So I found this in my life. I used to pray fast. Still do, by the way. Okay, so that's in very past tense. He used to pray. Somebody have a word with that guy. I do pray. I pray often. I still fast occasionally, um, as you can see. And uh, so... So I used to get mixed. I used to think, you know, like, why I'm such a good Christian in one ways, but yet I'm still struggling with rage and temptation and anger and jealousy. And then you start to have a fight with yourself. Does anybody else ever feel like that? No? Oh, thank you. Well, way back in 2006, uh, it was something that really helped me and actually influenced me to start a practice called Sabbath. So from 2006, I've been practicing Sabbath, and it's actually saved my life, marriage, family, and this church. Commended also to you. Uh, so we would practice Sabbath. Uh, it's life giving us I say. But anyhow, it came out of a book called Emotional Healthy Spirituality by a guy called Peter Sciasaro. We didn't read the book then. I don't even know if the book was was written. But we uh, we were invited to New York. Sounds very cool, doesn't it? We were invited to New York as you as you do. Uh, a guy, Erwin McManus, took us over. Do you remember that time, Stephen McCammon, Carl McCammon? think you. You were in that meeting, were you? No, when we were invited. No, you used in CFC in Belfast when Erwin was Man- Okay, way back then, two thousand and six, we had. More hair, well like I had Stephen, you've always had the same hair, charming and dashing as ever. And so <laughs> Uh, We we went over and this guy started to tell a story and he begins to tell a story on this stage where all these like really cool people, all these beautiful people, but this guy he was different. I I just, something with with him, he was just tuned into what he said. So he starts to talk about, he had this amazing church, 1987, he planted a church in Queens. It was a multi-ethnic church, it was fast growing, it was very influential at the time, it grew very, very quickly, a mega church, whatever terminology you want to put on it. Really, really big church I would say. and he begins to tell us his story. And anyway, his church is flying. His his church is going here and his soul is going there. And so it, it, uh, he, he talks about it in his book. I recommend the book to you. We're using the book of the backbone for the series. So he it all comes to a head when his wife, one January, comes to him and says to him, can you imagine? He plants his church with wife. If wife comes to him straight after church on a Sunday morning, she comes up to him and says, can I speak to you? Well, I'm guessing she said something to guy, And she turns around and says, I'm leaving. Leaving what? I'm leaving the church. That's awkward, right? I mean, as a pastor, your wife's telling you she's leaving the church. That's really, really awkward. And on this critical moment, right? From this critical moment, he starts to change the way he's doing life. And he starts to talk about what we're going to talk about over the next six or so weeks about how to get emotionally healthy. Because he discovered something that his church and his spiritual life was going that way. His emotional life, his marriage, everything else was... a train wreck, waiting to happen. Can anybody identify that in any way? Identify with that? It's awkward, right? He talks about how hard working he was, yet emotionally immature. Not present with family, marriage, obviously not going great, and he's not aware of it, and then your wife tells you she's leaving. And if you want to find out what happens, read the book, Emotionally Health and Spirituality. But he says this in the opening chapters of the book, he says, emotional health and spiritual maturity are inseparable That it's not possible to be spiritually mature while remaining emotionally immature. It's not possible to be spiritually mature while remaining emotionally immature. It means that we are made up of, we're not boxes people. We are not brains on sticks. We are made up of our emotions and our spirit and also the soul. In fact, you don't have a soul, you are a soul. That's the difference, but that's a whole different conversation. Well, here's why we're going to do this series Today's a starter. Today's an opener. It's important we teach you to be spiritually mature. We want to do that here at your Church. We want you to pray. I want you to engage with the ancient scriptures, to open these scriptures and find the author, to fall in love with Jesus. I don't want you to become addicted to some reading pattern. I want you to actually find life in this here book. There is life in this because Jesus is in and out of this book like nothing else. You don't want to read this to study. You want to read this for relational engagement with Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Now let me recommend this to you. Also praying, and fasting, and celebrating, and solitude, silence, all the things that we practice in our community groups that will be starting in February again. But it's also, we want to teach you how to be emotionally mature. Because we believe here at Vineyard Church on to be a better Christian is to be a better human. The two are not detached. I meet too many people and it's, sometimes it's embarrassing and sometimes it's a man in the mirror mostly that we can be so spiritually mature and yet we can t- treat people like crap. It's a Greek word for not nice. <laughs> of course, Jesus wants you to know the Scriptures and be with them in prayer, but he wants you to be a great friend. He wants you to be a good husband and a good father and a good uh, a good uncle and aunt, and he wants you to be a good employee. He wants you to be healthy. He doesn't want you to be addicted and dependent and, and detached from emotions and engagement. He wants you to be a fully functioning human being. When Jesus said that he comes to give you life and life to the full, that had nothing to do with the length of time, but everything to do with the quality of your life. Are you with me? Sometimes the Christian world, we just say, it. Well, it's eternal life. We bought take it. We're going to heaven. We breathe our last breath, and that's what we're going to do. That's where we're going. But no, eternal life happens the moment you say yes to Jesus. The Holy Spirit, this will tilt your head. It often tilts my head. One of the conversations I'm constantly having with Jesus, I, I, I just, I, do you ever do this? I just say, you're in there, Jesus, aren't you? Because it's pretty big to take in. Like the Holy Spirit dwells within this physical body. Does that not tilt your head? A little? No. We are spiritual, Jason. Doesn't tilt our head. It, it, it does tilt my head. We, we, we. When he's in us, he's in us in every part of our life. And that moment, we say yes, and he comes, and he breathes, and the Spirit of God enters our, our physical uh, bodies. Then that's when the life begins, and he doesn't want us just to think of some length of time, but he actually wants us to, to engage with the quality of life. And that's how we feel, and that's how we engage with society. He wants you tonight to be to be patient. You know, when you when you don't get through the green light. and somebody leaves you with the red. Jesus has a plan for you in that moment. To be a Christian is to be a better human. It it includes all of your life. I find it, and I struggle when people can pray and yet be angry at the same time. I mean, I struggle with it myself because we're not made up of just some spiritual sort of... We're not gurus. We're people that have feet of clay on this earth. You know, I struggle when people can speak in tongues but then somebody serves them in a restaurant and they're actually rude to the person serving them in the restaurant. I find that frustrating and sometimes infuriating. Then I have to deal with the anger thing. And then we're back again with the whole what I do with these emotions. To be a Christian, I want you to get this. To be a Christian is to be a better human. It includes all of your life, like I said. And I used to think that if I just was... If I could be emotionally healthy, then then I should be happy all the time. Does anybody ever think that? That's emotional health. That to be an emotionally healthy person, then I'm no longer sad. And then if you are sad, you're thinking, oh, I'm not emotionally healthy anymore. I've dropped the ball again. I need to get more emotional health because our, our equation with emotional health is that we are happy, 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 happy. Right? But that's not it. I came to this conclusion way back, I think it was 95, a friend of mine died giving birth. She was married to one of the pastors of the church. And then I had this conversation with a senior pastor because I was struggling with it. It's a, it's a given, right? You would be. And we were trying to raise her from the dead and do all sorts of things. Not all sorts of things, but we were trying to raise her from the dead. I mind thinking, actually, thinking in that moment, if she gets out of that coffin, I'd probably be way up the road as fast as my heels could take me. I don't know if I was prepared for that. So she died, given birth, and I was, I was just a loss. Just at lost, and so I said to my senior pastor, "I said, how are you going to get through this? How are you going? How how are you feeling?" I was young and naive, and I just thought you could speak to people like humans. And he tell I remember his words. He said, "Son," in an American type accent, even though he's from Korean. (laughs) He said to me, "Son." no it's not, not. probably not a time for humor he said I need to be up for the sheep I don't have the time to be emotional uh, yeah the right emotion at that time was not stoic detachment the moment was to grieve to fail, to weep and as followers of Jesus Christ there are times to rejoice but there's also time to weep with the broken and the lonely and the disenfranchised are you with me? okay, I've got to go really fast. Uh, let me help you with some points from the text. Um, I'll keep them brief. And if you're taking notes, I would encourage you to take these notes because we're all over the map right now. We're, we're in here and some of us, our emotions are good. You're just like having your best life, right? And for others, you're in pain. You're in the dark night of the soul. And some of us, we're just like trying to figure out life. But That's okay. It's all good. So here's three things that were taken from the text this morning, and I would encourage you to write these down, figure them out, not just to write them down, but actually engage with them fully. Let me help you with some points from the text. First of all, we learn that Jesus gives the Father, and actually his friends around him, his feelings. He gives them his feelings. In fact, I would say he gives them his his vulnerability. Then he said that my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Again, that sorrow is crushing my life. It's raw. Jesus is saying, hey, I'm being totally honest with you here. I'm talking, he's talking to the Father, and he's also talking to his friends at the same time. He's saying, this is crushing the life out of me. This is crushing the very life out of me. This, people, friends and brothers and sisters, here at Vineyard Church in Dungan, let me recommend this to you. This is the beginning of prayer. This is the language of prayer, to give God your feelings Good and bad is the beginning of all prayer. To let God know how you feel. I'm using the Psalms uh, as my daily devotion this year. Um, each day I read, connect with Jesus. But have you read them? I mean, they're like an emotional roller coaster. Psalms are, are prayers, actually. They're templates. They're worship. They're templates of prayers. They are raw. They are honest. They're facing feelings of anger, pain, loneliness, and despair. The full breath of emotion is found in the Psalms. Why are they in the Scriptures? If you're going to try and promote a good, feel-good book, you would not put them in the the Scriptures, right? If you were going to write the book, if you were going to promote Jesus, if you were a PR person, the guru person, you might want to say, you know what, some of the stuff in that book, like the Nazis did with the sacrificial Jesus and the Lamb, and they they brought out their own book, right? Second World War, invented their own Bible, you know that. Well, what what, what I would do to tidy this thing up is like, oh, like, Crushing somebody's head with a an animal bone, that's GBH. That's violent, right? As he spits all over the place, it's in the book, people. Rage and loneliness. It's a full breath of emotions, and that Samus offers him as prayers of worship and honesty to God, his Father, Yahweh. So this is the beginning of prayer. So why? Why would he? Why would God in His sovereignty, Holy Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, why would He allow them to be included in the canonization of scriptures? Here's my reason, and I want to commend it to you this morning. The reason I think they're there is because God isn't afraid of honesty. God is not afraid of your honesty. God is not afraid of your feelings. God is not afraid of who you are. God knows who you are. Anyway, Adam and Eve hiding in the garden, right? Fig leaves. It sounds ridiculous, doesn't it? We read it, but yet how many of us read it and say it's ridiculous, but yet 21st followers of Jesus Christ are still doing the same thing with Jesus' his friends and his church family. We're hiding the feelings where we are. What am I want to tell you this morning? Tell God how you're feeling. Have the conversation with God the Father. Tell him how you're feeling. He knows you anyway, inside and out. He knows the breath. You know, if you're feeling rubbish, use your emotions to begin the conversation with God, is what I'm saying. It's one of the best ways to start the conversation. Tell God how you feel. I learned this two years ago. When I feel tired, when I feel depressed, when I feel anxious, you should be worried about me, shouldn't you? (laughs) Not all the time, but these are some of the emotions I feel. Often when I'm out alone walking the dog at night, I'll say to Father, Father, I'm feeling really anxious. God, I'm I am I'm feeling a little depressed tonight. I'm feeling a little dark tonight. I'm feeling a little worried tonight. Why am I feeling that way? And I begin a conversation with God, and God's not saying, oh, oh, "Oh, Jason, hold on a minute here. You pastor a church, and you're feeling this way, and you have the neck to tell me about it." No, He embraces me. He helps me. The Holy Spirit speaks to me, and then I get to find out why I'm feeling that way. How many of us would start our prayers with our emotions and our feelings? Actually, if you're if you're figuring out how to pray, right? If you're figuring out that prayer rooms to to too much of an hour for you. What would I say? It is quite daunting to pray for an hour. That's why these guys fell asleep, right? It's hard to pray for an hour sometimes. But talk about yourself and you could pray all day. Well. Number two, Jesus gives the Father and his friends his feelings. Number two, Jesus gives the Father his desires. Going a little further, verse 39 he fell on his face to the ground, and he prayed, My Father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, not as I will, but as you will. Nevertheless, some scriptures say, or sorry, all the translations say. He says, take this cup. The cup is a metaphor for the soon-approaching crucifixion of the cross. Remember, the cross was the central story of God, right? It's a big part. Jesus was actually, he was quite um, secure in who he was. He was very emotional, healthy human being, yet fully God. He knew where he'd come from, why he was here, and where he was going. Those are three important things in life for a lot of us. So he says he knows why he's there, but remember the cross is the central story again. Jesus is actually saying, I want to do it. I don't want to do it. What he's saying here, if there's another way, let's try it. You think that's, some of you are really, that's even, when I'm saying that, it's a push against your thinking and your mindset, and you're thinking, uh oh, you can't say that, Jesus, Jason, Jesus, Jason. Well, (laughs) you can't go there. But that's exactly what Jesus is saying. He's being honest with his feelings and he's being honest with his desires. He's giving God his desires. Your emotions and your desires are connected. You know that. Whatever your your desire is, there's an emotion for that, right? Are you with me? You can't detach it to. First Christmas that Michelle and I were going out really and truly going out, we got engaged after Christmas. Michelle bought me a pair of boots. I always really want a pair of boots, but she bought me a size nine. I'm a size eight. I didn't react well. It was not a good emotion. I was like a spoiled brat. Like, do you not even know what size of shoes I am? You say that you love me? How many times did I need to tell you I'm a size 8? I'm a size 8. Jesus gives the See, our desires and our emotions, they, they all connect. And when we don't get our desire, the emotion erupts. So, Here's my second point for you. I need to go really, really fast actually. What if we brought God into all our desires? Seriously. Father, I have such a bad day today. I don't know what to do right now. Here's what I feel like doing right now. And you can fill in the blank. Our desires. Are you with me? Do you have desires? Feelings? What if we we brought God into our desires? I want to cross the line right now in my business. Here's my desire. My desire is to want more. I'm panicking. I'm anxious in my business. I don't think I'm going to make it. But if I make this cut, if I cross this line, if I t- fix the books, if I do this here, this will give me some breathing space. Right now, God, I want to cheat. That's my desire. My emotion right now is that I want to cheat. I want to cheat the fat man. I want to cheat the tax man. I don't want to be honest in this moment because I am feeling anxious. I don't know if we're going to make it. Right now, Father, my desire is, I'm really feeling it, I want to cheat. Right? I want to cheat on my wife. I want to cheat on my and I. You're thinking, oh, you can't talk to God about this stuff. Let me tell you, if you give this desire to God, it will help you. It will help you. It not only will help you, it will save your marriage and your relationships and your future and your faith. What I want to do right now is I want to lust. You see somebody, you lust after them, they're very attractive. You want to lust. The desire you're feeling, the emotion you're feeling, you can't believe we're talking about this in church, can you? Yet you'll feel it. You'll feel the breath of emotions this week. All of them. Not one person, but across this room, we're going to have the, the full multitude of emotions. We're going to lust this week. We're going to want to cheat this week. We're going to cross, we want to cross the line this week. We'll want to get angry this week. Some of you will want to get even with somebody that's cheated you and done you wrong, and you're, you just want to get even with them, and you're, you're passive-aggressive. is just building up and building up and building up, and your emotion is that you absolutely hate that person, and your desire is that you want to sort them out. I want to cross the line. I want to watch that program. I want to switch that thing on because my emotion is that my I need a fix. What Jesus does, the first thing he does, he gives the Father and his friends his feelings, but then Jesus gives the Father his desires. He's saying, God, I, I don't want to do this. If there's another way, here's what I'm feeling right now. If there's another way to do this, this is what I want to do. I don't want to do the thing that you're calling me to do. Last one. Verse 39 to 42, nevertheless, may your will be done. The last thing is that Jesus gives God his trust. He gives the Father his trust. This comes out of a heart that knows the character and the nature of the Father. Surrender, my friends, family, brothers, and sisters. Surrender is the start of emotional health. Let me say that again surrender, surrender in your will, your desires and your feelings to God the Father is the start of emotional health. The quicker you get there, the healthier you get in your emotions. The better human you become. The better human you become, the better human you become, the more spiritual you actually become. It's all interlinked. Trust the Father. Why would I trust the Father? Because He has good intentions towards you. He has goodness for you. You might not feel like it, but in the end of it, Jesus says, nevertheless, Here's what I'm feeling. Here's the crushing element of my soul. I feel depressed. I feel my soul is like it's crushing the very life out of me. God, is there another way out of this? But I trust you with my emotions, with my feeling, and I know that you have good intentions towards me. So my prayer for this series, for this church, for this family, is that we would be brave to walk into the part of apprenticeship to Jesus Christ of Nazareth with allowing him allowing Him to come into all of our emotions. Father is good. He waits for us to come with the good stuff and the bad stuff, friends. With your desires, with your lust, with your anger, with your jealousy, with your pain. He wants you to come and tell Him how you're feeling. Allow the first conversations, your prayer life to be how you're feeling. Use your emotions to talk to God the Father. Don't hide from Him. Don't detach. Don't distract. And don't fake it. Listen, one of the greatest witnesses, I'm finishing, one of the greatest witnesses to our world and culture, this generation that's looking at the church, it's not how well we know our scriptures. It's not how best we can argue articulate. They are not looking for that anymore. They're not looking for best practice. They're not looking for, to us to, to actually even straighten out their lives. That's not where they're at at the moment. But here's where society and the world is looking. They're looking for The generation is looking for one and a church that is honest and embraces reality. They are looking for a church that can be honest with truth. The full, full, full fact of truth. How they feel, how they engage in life. How they are actually feeling. They are looking for a church that's honest with reality and embraces the full extent of reality. Do you, do you hear me? They are they're, they're pimped they're sold to, they're prostituted to with commerce and and attention spans and and buying and selling. Uh, And they live in a world of sales pitch and they are dying and desperate and thirsty and hungry for somebody to come and say, here's reality. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, but here's how I feel, here's how I live. And that, my friends, will not distract from the gospel of Jesus Christ, but actually attract people the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Let's just stay where we're seated. Let's just close your eyes, put down your phones, put down your pens, do whatever you need. This is ministry time. Can I ask our prayer team to come and join me just to save a bit of time? Can I ask for the Belfast team to come and join me to my right here? So, Belfast team's going to be my right, Dungannon team's going to be my left, and let's see who wants Why not you just close your eyes? There's nothing mystical in closing your eyes. It's just, a, it's just to stop distraction because if, if you're like me, At all, I'm always looking around me. If there's a noise at all, so easily distracted. But I just want us, just before we do anything else, before we do anything else, before we go out and get our kids, don't run. Don't run. Do not run from your emotions. Do not run from your pain. Do not detach. Do not distract. Do not fake it. Stay seated, close your eyes. And all I want to do right now as your pastor is I want you to allow Father, Son and Holy Spirit to come into your life right now, into your thoughts and into your, your, your feelings right now and just so that he would highlight where you're at. Just just be honest. And look, hey, we're not all in a place of pain. So, okay, so don't look for it. If it's, if it's not there, relax. If it's joy, brilliant. Why didn't you be thankful right now? I say, God, this is a great season of my life. I am so thankful that you're here right now in this emotion. I am so thankful for my family, for my health, for my friendships, for my church, for my work, for my provision. God, I am so thankful. Others, you're feeling the full breath of emotion. Some of you are feeling pain right now and you've never dealt with it. You've run, you've distracted, you've medicated, you've done whatever it takes to to run away from it. But I want you to invite Father, Son, and Holy Spirit into that emotion today so that He can begin to make you a better human. To be Christian is to be human. Come, Holy Spirit.